This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, February 23, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. The healthcare summit is supposed to bring the best ideas from the White House and Congress, but it's unlikely anything will change. Public opinion is against the president's plan, and neither side shows signs of giving in. And the president's plan is chock full of price controls, something economists know a fair bit about. Michael Cannon, director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute, looks at the president's plan. In anticipation of the health care summit that the president is holding with Republicans on Thursday, President Obama released a health plan that he wants to use as a starting point for negotiations. Now, all this is is uh, a plan that splits the difference between the House and Senate legislation, uh, which the public opposes by a wide margin. And in some cases, the president's plan makes the House and Senate legislation worse. In particular, what the, the only new thing, I think, that's in the president's proposal that wasn't in the House and Senate bills is that the president would give the Secretary of Health and Human Services the authority to impose additional price controls on health insurance premiums. There's been news of late that in California, insurers are jacking up the premiums that they're uh, charging to some people by as much as 39%. We've had a week of the president and his administration expressing outrage over these premium hikes. And it it appears that that was all prelude to the president's proposal to let the Secretary of Health and Human Services cap the amount that premiums can increase from year to year. Now, a couple interesting things about that, that proposal. First is that that's exactly what the governor of Massachusetts is trying to do. Massachusetts, if you'll recall, enacted a health plan much like the Obama health plan back in 2006. Since then, they've seen uh, health insurance premiums rise faster than anywhere else in the country. And uh, Governor Deval Patrick's solution is to impose price controls on those premiums. Uh, Second, uh, you you may also recall, if, if, if you study these things, that the Clinton health plan would have employed identical premium controls. And that is one of the reasons that that plan failed, because a lot of new Democrats who recognize that price controls are harmful criticize that aspect of the president's plan. And the reason they criticize it is because that's really an implicit way of rationing care, of having the government uh, limit the the quantity of uh, medical services uh, that people can access through health insurance without the government having to do the dirty work of deciding who gets what. They limit the amount that insurers can increase their premiums, and if insurers can't cover their costs underneath those premium caps, well, then they have to limit the services that they uh, or the, the, the services that they will cover for their enrollees. So uh, that provision, that new addition to the House and Senate bills really made that legislation worse. There's another way in which uh, the, the president made the legislation worse, If you look at uh, what economists call the implicit tax rates in the House and Senate legislation, that's the effect that the legislation's new taxes and the withdrawal of subsidies as people's earnings rise have on your incentive to climb the economic ladder, to earn that next dollar. The House and Senate legislation would have imposed um, implicit tax rates on low and middle income workers that would rise as high as 70 or 80%, and in some cases would exceed 100%. So that if you earn an additional dollar, if you're a low income worker, or low income family, you could end up worse off financially, not better off financially. What the president does is he, his plan increases those implicit tax rates for low wage workers. 
At the same time, the House and legislate the House and Senate legislation would have created large incentives for middle income workers to drop their insurance coverage. Even after you pay the penalty for not carrying health insurance, even if you forego all the subsidies that uh, the that the legislation would offer you, under let's take for example the Senate bill. If you're a family of four, you could save as much as eight thousand dollars per year by dropping coverage. Safe in the knowledge that if you ever needed health insurance, you could buy it whenever you got sick because the Senate bill would require insurers to cover you at standard rates. Well, what the uh, president has done with that perverse incentive, which, by the way, would cause insurance markets to unravel, what the president has done is he has increased the incentive uh, to drop coverage for uh, middle-income workers so that a family of four could save $10,000 by dropping their coverage, still safe in the knowledge that they could obtain coverage whenever they needed it at, at, at the same premiums that everyone else pays. That's going to encourage more people to drop out of the market faster, which is going to raise premiums faster and uh, cause an adverse selection death spiral even faster than the House and Senate legislation would. So uh, in those two respects, I should say in those three respects, what the president has put forward is actually worse than what the House and Senate have put forward. And what the House and Senate have have negotiated uh, was already very unpopular with the American people. Between 50 and 60% of the American people disapprove of this plan. That's That opposition has been steady since July of 2009, has been growing since. So what the president is essentially saying is, I refuse to scrap this very unpopular legislation and start over. Is there any nod toward uh, ideas from outside the administration or uh, Democrats controlling Congress, that is, buying insurance across state lines, any of the things that don't cost anything, but uh, likely would bring down rates for the same products? Uh, nothing that's going to bring down rates, I don't think, except for maybe those premium controls, which will bring down rates by rationing care. What's interesting about how the president has been able has been trying to sell this new plan to Republicans is he points to all these different re- proposals that Republicans have offered and endorsed and points out that he has them in their plan. Now, we at the Cato Institute... Uh, we make ourselves unpopular with Republicans when we point out that they are violating their principles by uh, uh, endorsing or proposing this small healthcare uh, idea that would expand the government's role in quality reporting or what have you. Uh, but I think that uh, Republicans are now regretting having done that, ha- having endorsed those ideas because President Obama is using it against them. He's saying, well, these are your ideas. They're 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 big government, ex, uh, you know, government expanding ideas. But the president is saying, hey, they have a Republican pedigree, and he's right. I will say this for the president: he has steadfastly, even though he says he is open to the Republican idea of federal limits on medical malpractice liability lawsuits, he is really steadfastly opposed to them. He largely pays lip service to the Republicans, and though he doesn't I think that's I think it's the right position to oppose the Republicans on that yeah I will say this for President Obama he opposes the Republicans efforts to impose federal limits on medical malpractice liability lawsuits the Constitution does not authorize Congress to legislate in this area Republicans are abandoning their limited government and federalist principles by endorsing federal med-bound reform. The president, he isn't saying that that's why he opposes 
these federal MedMal reforms. But he is at least opposing Republicans on those reforms, and I think he should. Is there any reason to believe that uh, a more market-friendly reform than the ones that are being offered will emerge from this uh, summit? I don't think so, and I don't, and that's because I really don't see any interest in bipartisanship on either side. The president, if he were interested in bipartisanship, he would not have put together such a partisan uh, starting point for the negotiations. He would not be working with Democrats in Congress to pass a compromise bill on partisan lines, which is what he and congressional Democrats are doing. Republicans are not going to respond to any of these sorts of overtures from the president because they feel they have public opinion on their side. Opposition to the to the president's health care plan has been clocked as high as 60%. And when you've got that much of the public on your side, I, I think the Republicans uh, uh, quite sensibly, sensibly don't feel like they have to compromise or they have to uh, reach out to the president. And then they're also very opposed to what he wants to do on policy grounds. Michael Cannon is director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute and co-author of the book Healthy Competition. It's available at Cato.org. <laughs> 